Last year, Angela and I bought a Winnebago micro mini travel trailer so that we could enjoy some forced family fun time with our boys while we still have them with us. As we all know, uh, time seems to go by faster and faster the older that you get, and having a camper gives us the ability together to uh, get away from home and to uh, get away from disconnectedness when we're always on our electronics and doing our own thing, to get away from that for a while and to force actual conversations and to have meals together and to do all that stuff that the Cleavers did many, many years ago. So we bought this camper, and we store it at our house right now. And during the winter, as you all know, in Boone, North Carolina, we get massive winds that blow the trees around. And apparently at some point during the winter, the winds blew and beat against a tree, and a limb fell and landed on the camper. Now, it wasn't a large limb. It was a small branch, actually. But it fell and landed on a vent cover right over our bathroom. And those vent covers are made of plastic, so it doesn't really take much to obliterate it. But apparently it fell from a very large uh, tree and fell from a great distance, and it completely just demolished it. Well... I noticed it, and when I noticed it, I did the best that I could. I went to Lowe's, I bought some duct tape and some plastic, and I just made it work to keep the rain out during the rest of the winter, and the snow for that matter. So I bought a new cover, and I've had it for months, waiting for the right opportunity to install it. Well, this week we had some nice weather, and I decided that it was time to fix the vent cover. So I grabbed that vent cover and it came uh, inside a plastic bag and on the top of it had instructions and a diagram with it that told you exactly how to do it. And I did what most men always do, completely ignored that piece of paper and I just opened it up and I began to work on it because I figured, you know, how hard could it be? It's a vent cover and a few screws. It can't be difficult, right? So I went inside the camper into the bathroom and I realized that I needed to remove four screws and drop down this insert where this vent fan was. And then I realized that the arm that connected to the cover had a couple of screws in it. So I unscrewed them, piece of cake. And now all I needed to do was climb on top of the camper, reconnect the new cover, make it all work and insert some screws. Shouldn't take me more than 10 minutes. So I get on top of the camper and I realize real quickly that um, that isn't working the way that I thought it was. Maybe I should actually keep the screws in the arm so that I can do it. So I went back down, went back to the bathroom, put those screws in, went back out, climbed back onto the camper, and then got the vent cover and went to put it on. And it was not working. And I was giving it everything I had without breaking this piece of plastic that I had just bought. And I couldn't get it on. So then I thought to myself... Self, you need to go back down and unscrew those screws again because you're doing something wrong. So I did it again, and I went back up and began to do this whole process over again. After several more trips up and down that ladder, I realized as I began to get frustrated that what should probably take me 10 to 15 minutes was now taking me at least 40 minutes of my time. And maybe I should redirect and just give up, throw in the towel, and grab the instructions. So I did picked them up, and I read them, and they made some sense. But then I looked at the diagram, and that made more sense. And so then I began to work on it from there. And would you know that it only took me 10 minutes to install it properly after I read the instructions? I don't know about you, but um, sometimes our own stubbornness can get in the way. Sometimes we think that we can just do it on our own. 
without any help. I have a feeling that I am not the only person in this sanctuary today who's probably done something like that before, where we have received something to put together in the mail, or you know, maybe you ordered something on Amazon, or whether it's your camper or whatever it is, could be your car, but yeah, I can do this, not a big deal, and completely not looking at the instructions. And something that should have been so simple became so much harder because we failed to do what we should have done from the very beginning. Today, as we continue our sermon series entitled Remain In, we find Jesus, I think, giving us similar instructions that are intended to direct our lives in the right way right from the beginning. Unfortunately, we can be stubborn, and Jesus knows that. And so he gives us clear instructions in John's gospel, saying to his disciples, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus gives us a metaphor that his disciples would have clearly understood because you see, in their Bible, the Old Testament, Israel was often spoken of as a vineyard or as the vine that the vineyard keeper, God, cultivated. This time, however, Jesus changes it up and he begins to speak of himself as the vine and them as the branches. Now in Israel, the vine and the branches metaphor obviously was speaking of, well, a vineyard where grapes are grown, which was something that flourished in Israel. And of course, those grapes are used to eat or they're used to make wine. Jesus tells them a simple message that his disciples are to remain in him as he remains in them, and in doing so, they will bear much fruit. But if they refuse to listen to that, they won't bear fruit and that they can do nothing. Now, you have to understand in John's gospel, this teaching comes right after Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. He knows that in just a few moments, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to be taken away. And the next day, he's going to be crucified. He will no longer be physically with them. And he wants them to understand the importance of staying connected with him as they have been throughout his ministry over the last three years. You see, in being connected with him, they've been able to learn by listening to Jesus' teaching along the way. They have also been able to see his words in action, watching what Jesus did as he lived faithfully in obedience to God in every single way. But not only that, Jesus has let them practice what he has taught and shown them. He has sent them out to share the good news of of God in Jesus Christ by talking about the importance of repentance. And he has sent them out to heal those who had diseases and who had demons who oppressed them, to cast them out. So they've done this with Jesus. Apart from Jesus, they could have never done these things. But once Jesus is resurrected and he ascends into heaven, they will have to remain in him if they are going to bear fruit for the kingdom. His message is simple. Remain in him as he remains in them. 
The Greek word here for remain is minnow, and it means to remain. Or if you read another translation, it might say abide. It means to stay or to um, reside. Jesus is saying, stay connected to me. Just as a branch remains connected to the vine. Because in this way, the branches receive nourishment that will allow them to do what they are intended to do. Produce fruit. But apart from the vine, there is absolutely no way that this can happen. A disconnected branch has no source of life. It falls to the ground and it's later picked up and it's burned. And it cannot be fruitful because it's no longer connected to its life source. So Jesus' words to them are crystal clear. Without him, they do not possess true life. Without him, they lack the nourishment needed to do what God intends for their lives, to be fruitful. Now, this teaching of Jesus comes at the end of his earthly ministry, but I find that it's very consistent with one of his first messages that began at the start of his ministry— And we find this in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus teaches a parable about a wise man and a foolish man. And he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Subsequently, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Jesus' instruction is based on his whole sermon on the mount. He says, these words of mine, all these words he has spoken to them early in his ministry, teaches us how to obediently follow God. You see, our lives are about having the proper foundation built upon the solid rock of Christ. We sang that just a little while ago. Our lives are rooted in the true vine of Christ who nourishes us. So Jesus' teachings, first in Matthew and then in John, are bookends. One, for early disciples who were novices and trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. And also for seasoned veterans who have been with him for three years, Jesus gives the same message, essentially, with different metaphors. Right? Build your house on the rock. Remain in the vine. No matter what, Jesus calls disciples And disciples are learners who are tasked with listening to his words, watching him in action, and practicing what he's taught them in word and in deed. And he alone is their instruction manual. And if they want to do life the way God intends for it to be lived, they must remain in him. Going off script or trying to do it on their own will not suffice. It only results in seeking sand And in withered branches. But we're stubborn people, aren't we? In the words of the band Fleetwood Mac, you can go your own way. Go your own way. You know that song, right? That's why I'm not in the choir or the band. You can go your own way as you navigate life, forgetting to remain in Jesus. And I find in the Christian life, there are often two extremes that exist. When it comes to following Christ, which result in disconnectedness. First, there are those who profess faith in Jesus Christ without practicing what Jesus says. They are the foolish ones who build their homes in the sand. They want what Christ has to offer. They want eternal life with God forever. 
But they aren't interested in the abundant life that Jesus offers them right now. They make little to no effort to read Scripture, to pray, or to participate in Christian fellowship, the church. They can even be a member of the church. There's an old Baptist hymn, when the roll is called up yonder. Y'all know that hymn? Yeah. I don't think that, like, our eternal life is all about being a member of the church and we get to the pearly gates, God's going to say, you remember it, First Presbyterian Church in Boone. Come on in! I don't think that's how it works. Because Jesus talks about remaining in him and being connected. And these folks tend to be members of churches in name only. They're on the roll, but they're not to be found. And when it comes to worshiping Jesus and following him, It's too hard. It's too much. It's too demanding. But when a crisis hits close to home, well, they want Jesus to show up and fix it and to make everything better. I find that there are a lot of nominal Christians in the world. They have heard the words of Jesus, but they do not put them into practice. On the other end of the spectrum, there are active Christians who love Jesus, and they want to bear fruit The problem is they often do it alone, trying to do as much as they can without actually spending time with Jesus. And so they become busybodies who help with a food drive or who spend time helping someone in need or who volunteer with an organization that does good in the community. And they do it because of Jesus, but they often do it without him. They forget that what they're supposed to do is to be for the Father's glory and not for their own. And the truth is they enjoy being recognized for all that they do because it gives them a sense of self-worth. You see, they also hear the words of Jesus, but they do not put them into practice. Two ends of the spectrum, yet they're both disconnected branches. And Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. If you refuse to stay connected with Jesus, there's no fruit to be found. You're fruitless. Even our righteous deeds done for Jesus, there aren't real fruit because they are tainted by our own desire for recognition. Didn't Jesus say in his Sermon on the Mount, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, for if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven because you've already gotten your reward, which is your recognition. We want to be fruitful. We must stay connected to the vine. Jesus' instructions are meant to be followed if we truly want to live as his disciples. You see, I think that true discipleship requires three things. And I think it's pretty simple. And Jesus lays it out for us and he shows us this. I think, first of all, it means that we have to listen to his words. We have to listen to his words. And the only way that we're going to be able to listen to God's words is to actually pick up God's word and read it. The Bible is the most selling book of all time. And every year, it's like the Amazon's top seller. And yet, many Christians around the world don't pick it up and read it. And I have a feeling we all have one, if not two, or four, or five, or seven in our house. And some of them just collect dust. You can't listen to the Word of God. You can't know the Word of God or what it is to to live for God if we don't read God's Word. So, 
We are required as disciples to read the Word of God. It's a gift to us. And to pray that God would open that Word up to us so that we can understand it together. That's the first thing. The second thing is that true discipleship requires us to learn by watching what Jesus does. To see how he lives, how he responds, and how he is connected with God. Well, the only way that we're going to know how Jesus does it, because he's not physically right here with us, is to look into the Gospels and to read that. To know how he responds, what he says, what he does. We have to watch our Lord. And discipleship. And the last thing that I think true discipleship requires is for us to put into practice those things that we have listened to and heard and seen in Jesus and to live them in our life. Not by ourselves, but by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit as we follow Christ together as his church. It requires us to do something with what we have learned together. And while we all have a a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship is personal, but it's not meant to be private. We are connected as the church. And here's the thing about a a grapevine. I don't know if you've ever really looked at one. Maybe you've gone to some vineyards or wineries and seen them, or maybe you grow grapes. I don't know. But if you take a good look at the vine, you will notice that the branches that come off of it they are absolutely intertwined together. It's not like a tree. Like we, go, we think of a tree when we think of this. When we go out and look at a tree and we see a branch that goes out and out and out. And that makes us think very individually about things. When you look at a grapevine, you will notice that those branches are completely intertwined. You can't tell where one begins and where one ends. And that, my friends, is the illustration that Jesus gives us as the church. That yes, we're individuals, but yet we're connected together as a group. And so part of our connectedness into him is being connected to one another. That together we are helping each other remain in the vine as we worship and as we study and as we fellowship and as we serve together in Christ's name. And here's the good news. The good news is that we don't have to try to produce fruit on our own. We will be fruitful so long as we are connected to Jesus. The truth is, is that fruit is not something that we're capable of producing on our own. Rather, it's a byproduct of our connection with Christ as his faithful disciples. You see, as Christ nourishes us inwardly, as we grow and learn from the study of his word together, we are nourished inside. We grow together in our faith. And then we are sent out to share, and to serve outwardly. So it's not enough just to be a sponge and to soak in all this knowledge and all this great stuff. We're called to live it in the world so that others see that we're set apart and different and that it reflects who we serve in Jesus Christ. Our believing, our faith leads us in our living and our doing together And if we are faithful to remain in him, he is faithful to produce the fruit in and through us. You see, I find that it simply all comes back to what I said all along. Following the instructions. Jesus is trying to help all of us to live lives that have meaning and purpose. He wants us to be fruitful. That's his intent for us as his people. 
So if you've been like me at times and refuse to read the instructions, or maybe to look at the diagrams that come along with whatever it is that you're diving into, whatever you're trying to build or accomplish, then I encourage you to revisit that, especially when it comes to your faith. It doesn't matter if you've been a nominal Christian or if you've been trying to produce fruit on your own. Jesus calls us back to the basics. The truth is, all of us need Christ's instructions. We need to hear them. And I mean constantly be reminded of them. To see his own diagram of how it's to be modeled. And then we can, with his help, do what he asks of us. Knowing that together we are never doing those things merely on our own. And as we remain in him, we can trust that God will produce fruit in its proper season. You see, I find that choosing to be fruitful or fruitless is ultimately up to us. My prayer for us is that we would listen, that we would hear those instructions, that we would remain in him as he remains in us we might have a solid foundation on the rock of Christ. That we might be rooted in the true vine that allows us together to produce the fruit that God has called us as we follow him together. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.